on CMO Combo, we know that to be a great CMO, you need to be a great storyteller, which is why we're back with the third chapter of Storymasters Gaston Torn. Stories need characters, but what role should you and your brand be playing in your narratives? Who are the heroes of your tales and who are the villains? Find out why and how you should be thinking hard about who the real protagonist should be in your brand stories. Stay tuned. Hi, Gaston. Another Story Masters chapter unfolds before us. How are you doing today? Very good. I think particularly very excited about today's topic. I think characters are so important. So I'm not going to give a spoiler alert. I think it's going to be um, definitely a very exciting episode. Yeah, it's one I've been I've been looking forward to talking about a lot because there's so much we can discuss in terms of marketing um, when it comes to characters. Like, who are the characters within the stories you're telling? How do you create characters for certain intangible things like a brand? There's lots and lots of stuff to explore. Um, but let's let's start at the top when we talk about characters in a narrative. Like in literature, literary criticism, we often get characters quite clearly defined roles within the story you have the protagonist you have the antagonist you have um a guide you have stuff like that how important is that within a marketing story to have those kinds of character roles defined i think it's important to have roles but at the same time it's really important not to be stereotypical i think we're over traditional structures where there is one protagonist one antagonist um, I think those kind of structures are probably quite naive and they wouldn't work well um, in today's world. What I think is definitely a constant, though, when it comes to character development is the idea of change. I think in previous episodes, we talk a lot about the importance of change and how stories are all about change. In the end, um, we tell stories because I think as human beings, we, we sometimes struggle with how everything changes and like how even our own lives are not permanent, right? I think it's it's really difficult sometimes to cope with the idea of death and like I'm not going to get too philosophical, but I think change is, is permanent and change is something that um, is difficult to accept as human beings. And that's why we tell stories because it's a very good way of coping with change. Um, and change is the most important element in any story, but it's also the most important element in character development. I think usually what you want to make sure is that in your story, no matter what's the role that the character plays in that story, there is an element of change within that character. So the character that starts being really aggressive and quite like bullish at the end of the story shows a vulnerable side and shows something that you wouldn't expect. Um, and vice versa, characters that are just very vulnerable and perhaps not very strong, at the end they show their strength um, in a different way. So I think that element is really important when it comes to character development, making sure there is change. And of course, it's not going to be as black and white as I just described it. I think it has to be a bit more nuanced and more complex, but there needs to be change in order for us to connect emotionally with characters. And, and that change needs to make sense as well within the character. Like you can't just have a, a like a light switch happen and they suddenly change personality or something. They're suddenly transformed. It needs to make sense in sort of how you've laid out the character initially, so it feels natural and it feels yeah, it feels natural and something that you can connect with properly. Like if it's something that's too transformative, then it's unrealistic. Uh, we talked about the willing suspension of disbelief. One of the best ways to break the willing suspension willing suspension of disbelief is to have characters act 
outside of what we expect them to do based on what we know of those characters like if you that's why we say acting out of character even it's a turn of phrase that's used in just day-to-day -day conversation and it's based on this idea that characters behave the way that we expect them to based on what we present what the storytellers present to us at the end of the day yes and i think it's it's really important because in the end i i, I believe that marketing has a lot to do with um not just literary criticism or storytelling. I think it has a lot to do with the way that we build human relationships. And I think in the end, most stories um, go back to analyzing or describing human relationships. Um, and we also talk about characters in real life, right? We don't talk just about characters um, when it comes to fiction or, or movies. We also say like, oh, he's such a character, right? Um, what does it mean being such a character? It means that you have a very interesting, distinctive personality. Um, and I think brands operate in a very similar way. Um, when it comes to building a brand, you want to build a character and you want people to say, oh, that's such a, you know, that brand is such a character because it means that you have a distinctive identity. You have personality traits that people can relate to. And it's very similar to, as I said, like any human relationship, if someone changes overnight, that's going to at least bring up some questions about how much you can trust that person. Um, that doesn't mean that people cannot change. And actually, if anything, I would encourage brands to change, but there has to be certain logic to it. Um, it's not that, you know, as a human being, you would change overnight completely your values. You would probably have some level of um, personality kind of, traits that stay more or less similar over time uh, and then there's evolvement right like you know you can start being someone and then over, over time you learn something new and that actually makes you relate to that other human being right with friends it happens all the time there are friends who change in your relationship but that makes you closer to that person um I have friends that were like just very strong and like you know they wouldn't share anything and then suddenly they open up and they share like quite difficult times in their past and that changed their personality in a way for me, but brought me much closer to them. And I think brands can also explore that. So yeah, going back to, to marketing, I think, and going back to defining a character, it's important that you have some personality traits, but also give room to change and give room to develop in a natural way. So not doing it overnight, not doing something that feels completely out of character. Um, because for sure, like people will not believe it. And I think we have a lot of examples from brands that have done this, right? Um, or like brands that suddenly they try so hard to develop their character that people don't trust them anymore. I think like a recent example is from Brewlog, right? With what's going on with the workup, they are trying to play the activist character, but just a lot of people don't believe that anymore because they have seen how they operate. Um, and I think that brings questions about how much you trust them, similar to any human relationship. If you have a friend that all the time says like they care about climate change, but then you see them flying like everywhere um, and, you know, not really caring about the environment, you're not going to trust them, right? Um, so yeah, there's a lot to learn, be learned about human psychology, not just about um, literary criticism, because I think both of them are actually ways of exploring how human relationships operate. For sure, for sure. And when we're saying like to give a brand a character, I want to make it clear we're not necessarily talking about 
like a mascot, for example, or something like that, having like some kind of human or animal cartoon face for someone to relate to. A brand can have a personality in terms of how it, uh, the messaging it puts out, the kind of social media messaging it puts out, how it talks to its customers, how it, um, how it, the, the values that it, it supports as well. Um, like it doesn't mean that you have to have a, an actual person representing that brand, but the brand has to come across with a sense of personality that people can connect to. Um, I think that's something we might need to be, I know a lot of the people listening to it will know this, but I just wanted to make that clear, like before people go off and start designing the person that their brands are and that kind of thing. Um, so why do we need these kinds of people to connect to when it comes to stories? Why do we need personality to connect to? Can you do marketing without personalities and characters involved when you get right down to it? I think in a way, um, whenever it comes to brand development, particularly, because I think that's where characters um, and all the kind of like theories around how to develop a character can be super helpful. When it comes to brand development, you want people to understand immediately who you are and what you do um, in no more than two seconds. People are not going to give you a lot of time. And if your identity, if your character is not well-defined, it's just going to take a lot of effort from that potential consumer or that potential user to understand who you are. People are not going to give you more than two seconds. Um, it's the same, unfortunately, as like, again, in human relationships, right? If you go to an iClub, uh, people are not going to give you a lot of time, right, to understand, like, could this be a potential match or not? Like, it's usually, like, just a few seconds and you make an impression. And I, I know that, you know, this whole philosophy around, like, of course, why we shouldn't just focus on first impressions. But if we're honest, first impressions do matter. Um, because as human beings, we need to make some cognitive shortcuts in order to operate in the world. And I think having a well-defined character, both as a professional and as a human being, but as a brand as well, helps you to navigate those mental shortcuts and actually own the story and own the narrative um, for that impression that you're trying to make um, in your potential customer or your potential user. And I think as well, we need to talk about actually developing the personality in a way that feels natural. Um, like there's a danger often when it comes to brand personalities that they can be focus groups so much they just become flat because they're trying to please everyone and you need to recognize with your brand personality that you're not necessarily going to please everyone what you need to do is please your audience and your specific audience and even then you might not please everyone within that audience as well um you've just got to be distinct i suppose oh of course you don't want to go in and just piss everyone off but have like a personality is a personality at the end of the day if like humans don't have focus groups controlling their personality and people who do like select certain celebrities and politicians could come across as really boring and dull and you don't want to pay attention to them and i think it's the same when it comes to brands completely yes and i think particularly in tech and startups there is sometimes an obsession to a b test everything and i don't think necessarily all your brand messaging should be a b tested um and the, the way that I usually you know, explain why this shouldn't be the case is the same as um, the way that you build trust as a human being. Like imagine trying to say different things about your personality in order to please um, potential friends or please potential um, new friends in your life. 
it comes across as disingenuous. It comes across as basically, you know, something that you cannot trust because why is this person trying to say different things in order to please different types of people? Like it's almost like who you are in the end, right? Um, and I think it's the same with brand development and character development. Sometimes it doesn't make sense at all to A-B test your identity. I think it's okay to A-B test messages just to make sure like it's here. I'm, I'm okay with A-B testing messaging that is more direct response and closer to um, conversion because I think definitely there's a lot to be learned um, at that stage. But when it comes to who you are and what's your identity, I think you need to stand for something. And I think most brands wouldn't A-B test their messaging. Um, it's not that Patagonia found that they care about um, the environment because they A-B tested it. They always stood for that. Um, and I think it's important that you make those big, bold bets as a brand. For sure, for sure. Plus, as well, if you're A-B testing too much, you're basically doing double the amount of work all the time, and that's never fun. Um, so yeah, then... So when it, you mentioned the Patagonia, Patagonia is a great example of a brand that's been talked a lot about a lot recently in terms of actions fitting the personality. And it's easy to think of that as being a natural evolution. As you said, like it's and they've always stood for the environment. So that, that is a clear thing to happen. When it comes to a newer brand, how do you decide what the personality is? Is it based on sort of an amalgamation of the founder's personalities? Should that be something to look at? Or like, how do you go about, what kind of exercises should you be taking to actually think about like, what is the brand personality and how should it be presented? Yes, I think the brand personality, in my opinion, is always in the middle between who you are as a brand and what your audience cares about. It's almost like you need to find that sweet spot. It cannot be necessarily just what your audience cares about and it cannot be just only who you are. I think it's always like in that negotiation, which again is the same as any human relationship. As a human being, you cannot go to a social setting and be like, this is why I, am. I don't care about what anyone you know, in this room thinks. Uh, you do need to negotiate your identity based on the social setting that you know, you're part of. And it's the same with, with brand development. I think you need to understand what your audience cares about, what's going on culturally as well, what's relevant. Um, I think a lot of agencies would talk about like the cultural truth, the brand truth, the consumer truth. But just to simplify this, it's basically you're in the middle between what you care about and who you are and what your audience cares about. And I think you need to find that sweet spot. It's also who you are. I think particularly when you're quite early stage, definitely the founder story is really important. Um, I think understanding why the founders decided to create the business, I think it's, it's incredibly important. And I would advise that as probably one of the first steps you want to do as a CMO, because um, it's going to really help you clarify um, what's the purpose of this business and what's the purpose of this brand in the world. Um, but I think you also need to understand what is relevant at that time, at that point um, in, in, in what's going on like globally. Um, so I think like just as a recent example, I joined Curio um, as a CMO a month ago. Curio is, is the app to listen to news and insights from the world's top publications. So from the economies, the Guardian. I think when I go back to the founder story, um, there's a lot around um, sparking curiosity and really opening new perspectives and how they find that by providing those new perspectives, um, people can empathize and people can actually understand each other in a much better way. Um, 
So I think like there's a lot of that founder story that is incredibly relevant for, for the brand. Um, and at the same time, I think there are like some cultural trends at the moment that I can see that play a lot um, in how we can define and tell our brand story. I see that for example, a lot of um, people are frustrated with clickbait news and they're frustrated about like how every single media outlet is becoming really clickbaity and not really in-depth journalism. So when I'm developing the brand identity, I'm thinking about how can I connect the two? How can I connect that founder story with what's going on culturally now at the moment, which I think is relevant for our audience. Excellent, excellent. So when it, what, what are the elements of a good brand personality then? What, what should people be looking to make sure their brand personality does at the end of the day? I think being distinctive is super important. Um, any sign, any symbol, any human communication in order to stand out needs to be distinctive. Um, not going to get too technical, but I think um, there's one linguist um, called Saussure who actually founded linguistics. And he says that the most important thing for any sign in order to be distinctive is really to be different from whatever is opposite. Um, so it's not about what the sign means, it's really about the element of being distinctive um, in a system. Um, so I think it's really, really important to be distinctive. Second thing I think that is quite important is to actually spend time designing that brand personality to be clear and knowable. Um, so you wanna make sure that the brand personality is clear. People are not gonna give you a lot of time. So if you're not clear about who you are, the rest are not gonna give you the time to kind of understand who you are. So you need to be clear and knowable. There's actually a really good quote from Robert McKee, um, very good book that I recommend people to read. It's called Story. Robert McKee is like an expert, I think in Hollywood and more kind of like the filming industry. And he says, a character is no more a human being than the Venus Milo is a real woman. Um, and I think it's a fascinating quote because what he's saying is like, as much as like, the Venus as a sculpture is not really a real woman. It's a version of a real woman that tries to make it super clear and noble. It's the same with a character. You need to make it simpler in order to make others understand who you are. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be some nuance into it, but there has to be some clear traits that people can associate with. If I ask people what they associate with Patagonia, it's quite, it's I think quite relatable, quite easy to answer that question. And I think that's what makes a great brand. If you ask someone what they associate with X brand and the answers are not really clear, I think for me, it's a red sign. It means that you really need to spend time on making those personality or brand traits super clear. For sure, for sure. Um... And I think I think that's a good, a really good exercise actually to ask other people what they think of brands. Um, beyond just like what their products are, like if you ask them, what do you think of just them? And then you will, they often do talk about them. Sorry. <laughs> they often do talk about them in terms of personality traits. Like, oh, they're really funny. They're really friendly. They're really cheerful, that kind of thing. Or um, they're really drab. They're really dull uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, that kind of thing. Um, and it shows that people do have their this personal connection with brands that they really like and brands that they interact with. 
Um, so once the brand is this fully formed character and this fully formed personality, it's not the only character in the stories that you're going to be telling. There are other characters that are going to be involved. Let's talk about them. So you have the brand, you're telling a story. Who are the other characters that are going to be involved in that? What kind of journey, what kind of position should they have within that narrative? Yes, I think a really important element in the brand personality is, is the purpose, right? And I think it's really about what your brand wants. And that question, what does your brand want, makes your brand powerful journey that starts interacting with other characters. Usually there is an antagonist in the story. There is something that you're fighting for or you're fighting against. Um, but then there's also a protagonist in the story, like who is actually leading that story. Um, and then the other roles are important, like the guy, the mentor, the ally. If we simplify the story structure, I think the brand is never the protagonist. And that's usually a mistake I see quite a lot um, in marketing storytelling, thinking that the brand is the protagonist. No, the main character of your story is your customer, is the user, it's whoever is your potential audience. The antagonist is what is kind of like the obstacle, the problem, what are they fighting against or fighting for? And you're just there as a brand to be the ally, the mentor who is helping overcome that antagonist. This doesn't mean that the antagonist has to be someone. It can be something internal. Um, so if I think like, you know, brands like Headspace, um, the antagonist is really the mental health crisis. It's what's going on with anxiety. Um, but the protagonist is not Headspace. Headspace is just helping people to overcome the mental health um, crisis and, and the anxiety crisis that we're dealing with uh, at the moment. Um, and it's really important that you don't make your brand a protagonist because I think usually people are going to not connect emotionally with you as a brand, um, because they're more, much more likely to connect with a human being, like a real customer, a real user. Um, a brand is instead something quite abstract. It's not necessarily a human being. Um, and I think as human beings, we always relate much more to our humans. I think. 99% of fiction, 99% of movies, they're all centered on human beings. And I think there's a reason why we are human beings. It's much easier to relate to it. Even when we tell stories about like, you know, that famous short story from Virginia Woolf that is like told from the perspective of a dog, the whole story is centered around how human beings interact with that dog. Um, because we're still very anthropocentric, you know, as, as a species. I think like we tell stories about our own species. And I think it's important that you still center stories on human beings. And I think that's why brands are still abstract concepts. Focus them on your customers using your brand. Or perhaps sometimes, of course, you can make yourself a protagonist when it's the founder story, when it's something that is a bit more tangible. It's really like, as a founder, I created this company or this product because I want to overcome X obstacle. Um, but yeah, I think if you make it too much about yourself, it's going to become... Similar to, again, any human interaction. If you talk about yourself all the time, it will come across as a bit braggy and just not really, um, you're not gonna connect with that human being, right? Like if someone is all the time talking about themselves, like you're like, oh God, like so annoying. It's like if someone is telling stories that are more about common issues, common problems, focus on someone else, 
and how they are overcoming their challenges. I think it becomes interesting. And this this narrative of the the protagonist, the guide, and the antagonist, that is almost at the core of some of the oldest storytelling that we know of. Like it's it's King Arthur and Merlin, it's um Odysseus and Athena, it's Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And these elements and this way of telling the story has resonated throughout history. There's a great book about it that I love. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because it's fairly detailed. It's called The Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. And he lays out this these elements of this hero's journey that he calls it and how the protagonist travels through and how the antagonist affects him and how the um, the guide or the mentor helps the protagonist along the path. And I think looking at certain elements of that can be really, really helpful in terms of how you think about how your your customer story or your, um, your protagonist in your story can move through your marketing and sort of challenges that they might need to overcome and how they can be told and how that can be displayed on the band, whether it's in an advert or whether it's in a print or a printed piece or something like that. I think there's a lot of different ways of how we perceive how the protagonists are supposed to behave and how they're supposed to be helped along. They're almost built into us on almost like a DNA genetic level. Like it's, it's a very, very, it crosses a lot of cultural boundaries, this idea of the protagonist and the mentor and the antagonist. Um, and I don't know if you've got any other um, examples you'd like to add. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back a lot to um, this quote that I always mention from John Le Carre. I love it because I think it's, it's very simple, but it kind of tells you why the antagonist particularly is so important. Um, John Le Carre said, um, the cat sat on the mat is not a story, but the cat sat on the dog's mat is a story. Um, and I think it's really important to think, particularly in brand storytelling, who is the dog? Because probably the two biggest mistakes I see in, in marketing and brand storytelling, one is there is not a dog, there is not an antagonist, which basically makes your storytelling a bit bland. The second mistake I see is making your brand the protagonist, brand the ally. Um, so it's super important that I think you clarify who is the antagonist and secondly you make sure that the story is focused on a human being and you're just the ally helping that human being overcome challenges. One trend that I have seen quite a lot I think in storytelling beyond our industry just in general like in fiction and um, I think it's something that we can learn quite a lot there's a lot of focus now on antagonists not being external antagonists, but being more internal antagonists. I think most modern fiction and postmodern fiction focuses much more on internal antagonists. So it's kind of like the character overcoming their own um, challenges. And usually internal antagonists lead to way more nuances, I think like narratives and like very interesting stories. Um, so it's something to think about and explore. I think um, you don't want to make a story that is so kind of like black and white that it has an antagonist that is external. And, you know, that kind of like storytelling was the Hollywood from like the 70s, 80s. And I think over, and over it, um, you really want to make sure like you tell stories that are a bit more nuanced. Um, and I think I would recommend brands to explore the internal, um, that internal kind of like antagonist, because I think it's, it's usually... Um, and on Taiwan is that leads to very interesting questions. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this really big 
evil, malicious idea of an antagonist. An antagonist can be quite a, um, a minor issue in someone's life. It could be something like, um, uh, just not able to manage my time properly. And then your brand is this time management software that's going to allow me to manage my time better. It could be, um, I don't know what to make for dinner tonight. Where And now this, um, this uh, ingredients box is giving me what I need to be able to feed myself this evening. Like It doesn't have to be a battle between good and evil when it comes to protagonist and antagonist. It doesn't have to be someone overcoming this huge mental challenge, but still having this kind of idea of overcoming a challenge, overcoming an obstacle to happiness and to success is a very, very fundamental part of storytelling, whether it's an internal antagonist or an external antagonist, I think. Like it's it's having that element of a challenge in place that someone needs to overcome. Um, as we said at the beginning, like um, it's, it's boring to just watch people just go through life enjoying themselves. I mean, it, it might be nice to watch, but you're not going to remember it at the end of the day. You need that element of, of, of chaos, that element of disruption to that person's life and that person's well-being even if it's something that's quite minor at the end of the day completely yes i think also that antagonist can be maybe someone or something that is out there um and i think you can you can almost like build that rapport with your customer by aligning um that sentiment of like who is out there that maybe is affecting both you as a brand, but also affecting your potential customer. I think like a really good example on that one um, comes from Pepsi. Um, I'm from, from Argentina and um, we are like in the World Cup. So everyone talks a lot about football. I think um, not just in the UK, but in Argentina, it's like massive football fan country. And I remember like in the 2000, 2014, yeah, it was 2014 World Cup. The, the, one, the Brazil one. The Brazil, Brazil one. one, yes. Final match was Argentina versus Germany. Um, but for Argentina, the only um, important thing about that match is that it was in Brazil. So, of course, Argentina wanted to win in, in Brazilian territory and um, didn't. In the end, like uh, Argentina lost in penalties against Germany. Um, it was a very close uh, match. Um, the country was, of course, like devastated, right? And very uh, not in the best um, spiritual mood the next day. Um, and Pepsi came out with like a really interesting out of home campaign, like literally everywhere in Buenos Aires. It was an out of home campaign with just one message. Um, and it said something like, um, we know how it feels to be a runner up. <laughs> um, and I found it, it was brilliant as a message because the antagonist was clearly Coke, right? Coca Cola. Um, but they put it out there and they share that sentiment, aligning their sentiment of being a runner-up with how the, the country was feeling that day. Um, and I think it was a brilliant example of storytelling to build that empathy, um, yeah. particularly in a moment that was critical for, for the country. And it's, it's humorous and it has character in the way it's doing it. Um, just because your brand isn't the main character in the story doesn't mean it's not a character, it's not an interesting character. You can still present your message and the way that you help the protagonist in the story in an interesting way. Like if you look at the kinds of mentors, the kinds of guides in literature or film that are the most popular that people remember, they're the ones that have a lot of character and they're the ones that teach the protagonist in an interesting way. Like people remember Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off, that kind of thing, because he's teaching the protagonist in an interesting way. And I think that's something important to think about when it comes to your brand's role within the narrative. Um, I think 
a, a, a brand that does this really well and has been doing it really well for a long time is Nike. I think they're very good at positioning their customers as sort of the focus and positioning their achievements and their struggles in a really, really interesting way in the way that Nike inserts themselves into their struggles and how they overcome things. And they do it in a really interesting way. They do it in a very varied way because they're always changing sort of like how they do their messaging and stuff, but there's still, they're still always done in a way that's interesting, worth paying attention to. I think like I always watch new Nike ads just to see what's going on, to see how they're filming it. Cause they do it so well, this type of sort of protagonist customer protagonist centered um, story. Completely. Yeah. I'm talking about internal antagonists. I think Nike does it incredibly well it's always your own self-told kind of like limiting stories like if, if i have to describe what nike is all about it's like don't restrict yourself just do it you can like you, we all i think all of us as human beings we can relate to that what stories do we tell ourselves that basically limits our potential and i think nike is all about that's your antagonist your worst enemy is your own restrictions these are restrictions that you tell yourself um and if you just believe in yourself, you can overcome it. And I think that's why it's such an inspiring story um, and, and why as a brand, they have resonated so well with so many people because we can all relate to that. Um, and it's an internal antagonist that I think gives you a lot of um, storytelling um, richness. I think there's so many stories that you can tell um, around those self-limiting stories. I mean, Nike, Nike has done it almost to... Um... They've almost gone too far with it and sometimes in some of their older adverts, there was um, an advert, I think it was from the early 2000s, where the antagonist was a giant belly chasing a man down the street. It was, it was in the UK and they had the song Belly's Gonna Get You Going On and there was quite a lot of complaints and stuff like that because it was quite a disturbing advert, but people remembered it as well because it had this interesting story and it had this interesting antagonistic force in there. Um, so yeah. Be experimental in sort of how you display this antagonist, how you represent the challenges in people's lives that they're going to be overcoming. Um, because just because you're doing it in an interesting way doesn't mean it's not a relatable way at the end of the day. People can people are smarter than, they, than people think. People can make the connections and draw the draw the um draw the line between certain ideas and see the metaphors that you're trying to tell there. Um, you need to trust people with the narratives that you're telling to them and be able to recognize their own challenges and be able to empathize with people. Completely. So who are the other, what other brands should people be looking at as examples for great protagonist driven stories? Um, I know we've, I know we said we weren't going to mention John Lewis before we got to this, but that is a great example. I do recommend people go check out the new advert, um, but we won't, go into too much. I think people are getting sick of us talking about John Lewis, but who are some other ones that people should check out? I I used to work for, for Google and I find a lot of um, Google's storytelling is, is really inspiring, but particularly I love some of the Google Translate stories um, because I think what is beautiful about Google Translate is that that mission is, is quite clear, I think in terms of like building bridges, but some of the, the stories that they decide to tell um, are, are incredibly powerful and it really brings a functional product um, to a complete different emotional lens. Um, this one story I recommend everyone uh, watching, like you can go on YouTube and then find it. It's called Mahir's story. Um, so Mahir, um, he lived in Iraq. Um, he 
was a translator for the US Army. He was prosecuted, um, of course, by a lot of different groups that were not um, in favor of like the US intervention in Iraq. Um, and, and the way that he actually managed to get into the um, US Army as an interpreter is because he learned English using Google Translate. Um, and this is a real story. This is not like a fictional story. It's like, and, I, and again, like this is another piece of advice I would have for uh, most brands. If you already have customers, don't create any fictional stories. Just go and speak to your real customers and users. They're always going to just inspire you to a level that not even like your wildest imagination is going to take you. And again, this is a real story. So Mahir like, was in Iraq. Um, he learned English literally using Google Translate. Um, at some point, like even like his dad was almost killed by some of you know the the groups that were against um, the U.S. intervention in Iraq. Um, but by using Google Translate, he built new bridges, like with a different culture, um, and he saved his family and himself by moving, migrating to America. Um, and I think in, in this new culture, like he's found that Google Translate allowed him to integrate in a much better way by being able to translate every single word. Um, it's also quite inspiring because the way that he used Google Translate was like every single day searching a different word um, and then noting it down in a, in a notebook. So he would be going to Google Translate saying something like, thank you um, in Arabic, translating it to English, noting it down in a notebook and practicing it. Um, and I think it's a very inspiring story because again, um, Google Translate can be a quite functional product. Um, but I think this story really brings a new emotional element um, to, to this. And, and one of the best things about Mahir's story as well is that it's told in his words. So it fits into the narrative that Google is telling with Google Translate. The fact that Mahir was able to learn from Google Translate is what is allowing him to tell this story in the first place as well. So it's, it, it, it's done very, very well that one and you don't even see the google logo at all until the very end it's all mahir's pictures mahir's story you see his notebook you hear him talking about google translate and how he's used it but google is not the main part of the story at all it is mahir and his journey that is the story and then it gets to google at the end and then you're like ah look at what google can do i'm really inspired by this now i'm really emotionally connected they've done it really well there i was very impressed by that example for sure um, I think another one that's doing it quite well at the moment is um, is Airbnb. I think their adverts are very good in that respect. It's all about the experiences that people are having on their holidays, on their vacations. The actual place they're staying isn't that big a part of it. And Airbnb is only comes in at the very end of the adverts as well. It's all about the experiences that people that these actual people are having on holiday, based around their holiday pictures and the holiday snapshots and the the experiences they have on these vacations and these holidays that Airbnb has facilitated for them. It's not about it's dead easy to book or it's dead cheap or you can um or you can find all these cool um built all these cool places to stay. It's about we can give you a great experience on holiday. And that's what people want from these kinds of vacations. Like I think we've moved away from the idea of people booking holidays based purely on like how nice a hotel is and stuff people want to know what they want when they get what they can do when they get there i think that's something airbnb is doing really well at the moment completely yes i think airbnb is a really good example as well of like translating um perhaps a functional um because in the end most products are functional uh, but really bringing the emotional side of, of that 
products. Um, in the end, it's short-term rentals, right? If we if we talk about Airbnb in a functional way, the same as like Google Translate is just literally a translation app, right? That's what the product is. But it brings the emotional side of that functionality to a point that really elevates the brand. And that's what brand storytelling should always do, is elevate the product into something much more meaningful um, than the functionality. Excellent. So we've been talking quite a bit about emotional connections in this episode, and that's actually something we'll be diving into in a bit more depth in the next episode, I think. We're going to be talking about some of the some of these terms that you might hear a lot in terms of literary criticism and how to apply them, catharsis, pathos, all that kind of stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, it's something we talk about emotion and emotional connection a lot. We've talked about a lot on over the last three episodes. I feel like we've kind of built up to this one, Gaston. Are you looking forward to it as well? Yes, I'm looking forward to uh, the next episode. It's going to be um, definitely a bit more, sorry, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a bit more about diving into emotions and how fiction and stories can really help us explore uh, human emotions because um, if we go back to the first episode, what we said is stories are a much better way to convey information because it's a more human way of conveying information. Um, and it's more human because usually there's an emotional element related to it. And as human beings, we are both pathos and logos. We're both rationality and emotions. And I think we need to consider both. Uh, we have been talking a lot about structure and character development, which is a bit more on the logo side of things or on the rational side of things, but um, the emotional side is critical in order to make a story really tick. Definitely, definitely. So if you want your, your customers to laugh, cry and everything between, do not miss next episode. Thank you very much for joining me to, again, Gaston. Um, very, very much enjoying our discussions on this. It's something that I absolutely love talking about. I know it's something you're passionate about, about as well. Um, thank you very much to our listeners. Um, we're going to be back soon with another Story Masters. Like what you heard from this CMO combo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.